0: I want to bring to you today. It's compelling. Uh, Probably not a very appropriate Sunday before Thanksgiving message, but I don't always cater to holidays. Um, You'll do that Thursday. Some of you will do it more than others. Some of you have done it more than others. I can tell by looking But I'd like to have your attention today, if you don't mind, your attention to the Word of God. What I feel that God has given me to present to you today will be a huge blessing. And it will give to you folks, some of you folks, a great big answer to some things you've gone through throughout your life. Psalm 105, verse 17. Psalm 105, verse 17. He, God, sent a man, Joseph, before them. His brothers. God sent a man before them. God sent Joseph before his brothers who was sold for a servant whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord tried him. So the king sent, the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princesses his princess, and his, at his pleasure, and teach his senator's wisdom. I want to speak to you for a little while today, just simply wounded. Everybody say wounded. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. John F. Kennedy said, John F. Kennedy said, there is always inequality in life. In reference to war times, he said, some men are killed in a war and some men are wounded and some men never leave the country. Life, he said, is unfair. Sean Brady said, there is always tension. There's always tension between the possibilities we aspire to and our wounded memories and past mistakes. There's always tension between the things we aspire to and our wounded memories and past mistakes. Margaret Fuller Self said, It seems that it is matter, that is mad, M-A-D, it is matter never to abandon one's self than to be infatuated. Better to be wounded, better to be wounded, she said a captive, and a slave, than to always walk in armor. Charles Spurgeon said, O oh, come, divine physician, and bind up every bone. Come with thy sacred nard, thy spikenard, which thou hast compounded of thine own heart's blood, and lay it home to the wounded conscience, and let it feel its power." Oh, give peace to those whose conscience is like the troubled sea which cannot rest. The Bible said concerning Jesus in Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgression. The dictionary says that a wound is an injury to living tissue. A wound is an injury to living tissue caused by a cut or a blow or other impact. I came across the following information that I'm about to give to you. I came across it several years ago. It's concerning the growth and care of apple trees. I read this article several years ago and I've never forgotten it. We've all heard the adage that says an apple a day will keep. The article clearly gains one's attention when the writer said that orchard owners will frequently wound the trees to produce more fruit. These owners will carefully prune the trees which with what is called clean flesh wounds. The owners of these trees will prune them with what is called clean flesh wounds. The owner is attempting in this process to limit the growth of leaves and wood in the tree. In fact, there are some who refer to this overall process as dwarfing the tree. In Maine and New Hampshire, the apple orchard owners give careful attention to the growth of their trees. Listen carefully. Generally, the trees which are the, which are the most productive are not the ones that are the most beautiful. Often the more fruit, the less wood and leaves the tree will demonstrate and manifest. Sometimes a tree will really take off and begin to grow tall and outwardly will look very beautiful but have no fruit. This is where the concerned concerned owner will move out into his orchard and will drop a huge wounding blow to the tree. When this happens, the tree suddenly turns attention from growth to healing. When this happens, the tree turns its attention from growth to healing. And the, the efforts at healing, the tree turns its efforts from wood to fruit. A byproduct of healing produces more fruit, not more wood and leaves. Pentecostals have thought through the years that the more beautiful a person he is against the backdrop of holiness standards, the more healthy they are because they're beautiful on the outside. The orchard owner does not just capriciously or randomly decide that he will one day walk out into the orchard and start cutting his trees. For an owner to do so would severely damage the potential yield that comes from his orchard. But he carefully watches the seasons. He carefully watches the seasons and will then go about his almost terrifying process of wounding his trees. Fall or winter pruning will bring much damage to the tree and some never recover. Some never recover if they're wounded at the wrong time. The orchard owner will wound his trees. The orchard owner will wound his trees immediately prior to the spring and summer because this is the time of the most productive growth in the cycle of the tree. The wounds of the tree will heal during the time of nature's greatest and perhaps most tender touch of growth. Much can be said about this in the spiritual sense. Much can be said about it in its application to you and I. Listen carefully and read along on the screen with me. It may seem as if trials and tribulations that come our way are unplanned and sudden in their own set. Trials and tribulations that come our way are unplanned and sudden in their own set. But God, everybody say, but God." God. But God who takes our spiritual growth into careful consideration is never out of sync with the timing that is necessary to our progress in His kingdom. He will wound us. He will wound us just prior to the times of greatest spiritual growth. It is foolish for a man to shake his fist at God and deem his patterns as ill-timed and without rhyme or reason. Actually, it's during these times that we trust in the Lord. In addition to having a careful eye toward the season, the orchard owner will also give careful regard to which branches he wounds on his trees. He follows the guidelines that other apple growers have found to be useful. Listen carefully. Ultimately, the orchard owner will cut away the majority of the branches of the tree that only reach vertical and toward the sun. They have discovered that the most productive limbs are those which grow horizontally or laterally to the main trunk. I want everybody to understand here today, the writer of Isaiah said, concerning Jesus, he was wounded. That is talking about the crucifixion. The Bible said in the New Testament, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His vertical, leafy branches were sheared off. God forsook Him, if you will, so that the lateral branch the the branch that would extend out the furthest, could literally wrap itself around the world with the love of God and the mercy of God, the kindness of God and the compassion of God. God clipped off the top so that He could spread throughout the world. Furthermore, the wounding of the tree reduces the competition among other branches. The lower the number of branches that are present on the tree, the more that each branch can focus on fruit production. The harvester of the apple tree also understands the great value that wounding a tree has in relation to controlling diseases. It is almost as if he's cutting something that is deadly out of the tree that if not removed will lead to the demise of the tree. In this wounding, the owner removes a potential of fruit rot, leaf spots, and stem cankers, all of which will severely limit the fruitfulness of the tree. The text that we read in Psalms, sums up the process of wounding that occurred in the life of Joseph. One translation said of Psalm 105, 18, they have afflicted with fetters his feet. But while his feet was fettered, while he was in physical bondage, iron entered into his soul. This gave to his soul and spirit structure, and strength, and permanence so that the dreams that God gave to Joseph would never die. I've heard it said all throughout my life, I've heard preachers say that people have no spine, they have no gut, they have no determination, they have no incentive. It's because some of them have never been wounded, and those that have do not handle the wounding properly, and I'll come to that in a moment. But I'm here to tell everybody here today that if there's ever a scripture of truth in the Bible, it is this one. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord who are called according to His purpose. For all things work together for good. To them who love the Lord for all things, all things, all things. And what the devil considered as something that would destroy your life was only something that God allowed to put some iron into your spirit and some determination that I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be like a tree planted beside the water. I shall not be moved. There's folks here today that need some iron in your soul. The iron. If iron is going to enter your soul, there has to be an exact and precise wounding to take place in your life. Actually, God don't allow things in your life to destroy you. He allows things to come in your life to make you make it. Joseph was given a dream. In fact, Joseph was given several dreams that would never come to pass until life wounded him. There's a correlation between dream, dreamers and visionary people and being wounded. Sister Murphy and I noticed a long time ago that some of our most prolific preachers are those who have suffered the most. I understand that there are those that kind of grew up in ministry with a silver spoon in their mouth. But there's a difference in the content and substance of their preaching than there is between those who's been through some things, who's fought some battles, who's lost some people, who's had to say goodbye to family and friends and death, who's gone through all of those things. You've gone through your paces and then in that process, God, put some iron in your soul and you determine I'm going to make it through this. I don't care what happens. I don't care what people say and do to me. I'm going to live through this and I'm going to be victorious in the end. Hallelujah to God. The Bible said clearly that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Listen to me, saint of God. You may have been wounded, but accept the iron that it's going to put into your soul, because that will be the very thing that can save you. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. So with every dream, that God gave to Joseph, there came some entitlements of the wounds. With every dream that God gave to Joseph, gave his wounds the entitlement they needed to be in his life. They were entitled to be there. It was a part of the process. I shall call it necessary wounds. And the wound that I want to speak to you today, the necessary wound, and it's happened to all of us. I've known more preachers than you can shake a stick at that's been affected by this, and they turn their back on God. They relieve the ministry or they compromise the message. That's their answer. But the necessary wound that I want to talk about today is the wounds that come from your brothers comes from your brothers and sisters, those that should love you the most. Those that should have your best interest at heart. This is what happened to Joseph. The wound that he suffered, one of three, this is the first one, that he suffered was the betrayal of his brothers. Betrayal, for betrayal to really occur in the life of someone... It has to come from someone that you love. They may not love you, but you certainly love them. That is true betrayal. An enemy or an outsider can never really betray you. Only someone that you love, only someone that you love, can bring this brutality of betrayal. Joseph found out that sometimes being the favored son will mean that you will be hated, the hated brother. His father had given him a beautiful coat which created a rift between Joseph and his brothers. The favor of the father has created more difficulties for many saints of God than perhaps any other situation. The coat of many colors isolated Joseph from his brothers. When you have the Father's ear and His purpose for your life, some very carnal, earthy brothers will find a means to betray you. The gifts of the Father into your life can be very well, can very well be the stimulus for your brothers to betray you. But the thing that sealed the deal for them was when Joseph began to tell that the dreams had come from God. His dreams had given to them the idea that they would be under the hand of their youngest brother. His leadership and his priorities would overshadow all the contributions of life. The destiny planted by God came out in the dreams of Joseph. His dreams had suddenly began to hint at a great future for him. His brothers began to hate him for the potential that they saw in his life. His dreams separated him from those around him and the closest to him. When you have the Father's eyes to see more in your life than some very carnal earthly brothers, the noose of betrayal will begin to tighten around your neck. Your dreams will separate you from the common, ordinary avenues of life. Joseph was indeed a dreamer, but he was not one who was an idle daydreamer that was motivated by selfishness, laziness, and whims. His dreams were motivated by the very destiny of God on his life because his dreams were motivated by more than late night pizza or a heavy dose of chili. There would be a a willingness in him, there would be a willingness in him to sacrifice the present to achieve the future. His dreams persuaded him to sacrifice the present. I'll give up the comfort of today for the fulfillment of my destiny tomorrow. When Joseph began to share his dreams with his brothers, he was not prepared for their reaction. He didn't know how to deal with it. So what was it then that motivated Joseph's brothers to betray him? Was it their distaste for a prevailing vision from God? One that had their destiny in mind. One that would feed them at some time in place in the future? Was it their distaste for a man who had a strong, healthy relationship with his father? Was it their distaste for a man who was pure and honest in his conduct? Was it their desire to get purity out of their midst? Was it their own selfish ambition that refused to acknowledge God's plan, not only for Joseph's life, but for theirs? Was it their resentment of Joseph's confidence in his future? Was it their base, earthy nature that rebelled against something godly? Was it their greed and hunger for money that traded off the dream? Regardless of what it was, their desires, their attitude, their perspective caused Joseph to be dumped in a pit by them into a pit that was dark and deep. And I feel certain here today that in the darkness of that pit where the damp and slimy walls began to choke him with claustrophobia, the dreams may have been forgotten. In this deep, dark place, Joseph is probably wishing that he had never spoken to anyone about his dreams. But Joseph learned the hard way and so have I before any dream from God will come to pass, there's a pit somewhere that's going to have to be endured. And it may be the pit of fear. It may be the pit of destroyed confidence in the future. It may be the pit of desperation, a pit of hopelessness, a pit of lost direction, a pit of overwhelming grief, a pit of rejection, a pit of self-pity, a pit of loneliness, a pit of cruel brothers, a pit of bitter tears, a pit of disgrace, a pit of betrayal. Every pit has its purpose. And the purpose of the pit is to help your dreams that God gave you come to pass. There's more than one person in this church house today. And I can go up one side and down the other and I can remind you of your tenure in the pit. But I can also remind you of the amazing bounty of God and the blessing of God and your usefulness in the kingdom that has come to your life because of the pit you endured at the hand of betrayal by your brothers and your family and your friends. Hallelujah to God. God help us today to understand that being wounded isn't always a bad thing. An unknown poet wrote, Man's life is laid in the loom of time to a pattern he does not see, while the weavers work and the shuttles fly till the dawn of eternity. Some shuttles are filled with silver threads and some with threads of gold, while often but the darker hues are all that they may hold. But the weaver watches with skillful eye, each shuttle fly to and fro, had seized the pattern so deftly wrought as the loom moves sure and slow. God surely planned the pattern, each thread, the dark and fair, is chosen by His master skill and placed in the web with care. He only knows its beauty and guides the shuttles which hold the threads so unattractive as well as the threads of gold. Not till each loom is silent and the shuttle ceases to fly shall God reveal the pattern and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful and the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver for the pattern which he planned. Every pit has... It's purpose. You'll remember what the brothers said of Joseph concerning the pit and his dreams. They said, Come now therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we shall see what becomes of his dreams. Betrayal. Wounds, a pit, they're dream killers. It's happened to more people here today than I care to think about. Betrayal, wounds, and a pit, they're dream killers. And all are very dangerous stumbling blocks that the devil will try to place in our way none of these things in and of themselves, none of these things in and of themselves have the ability to destroy the God-given vision within us unless we give in to the blinding and numbing rage and revenge that can derail any dream that God wants to fulfill in us. Now is not the time to want to get even. Now is not the time to want to pout. It's time for some here today to accept the wounding of the orchard owner because it means you're just on the precipices of the most productive and fruitful time of your life. What Joseph thought was to be an apparent disaster was something that God would use to wound him to advance his dreams. Far too often in life, the pain and the bitterness of the wounds obscure the opening of a greater door of opportunity for us. I have personally sidestepped revenge and pouting a thousand times refuse to do it it is only after we've navigated the desperate pain of the wounding only after the healing has come that a greater reality settles in that helps us to realize that god meant it all for good for all things work together for good The next step in this process is probably the most difficult for people to understand and to maintain. If you'll notice the screen, I've come to learn that the bone marrow transplant unit in Houston, Texas is touted to be one of the cleanest and most aseptic germ-free zones in the whole city of Houston and perhaps even the nation. If you're an employee at the bone marrow transplant unit in Houston, every day when you arrive you would have to change into scrubs that have been sterilized. You would have to spend at least 10 minutes scrubbing your hands and arms with betadine. In addition to this, a facial towel that contained an antibacterial was used to cleanse, cleanse the face, your facial area. The reason for doing this was because the patients who had received a bone marrow transplant, that blood producing organism in our body, they lived in a state of greatly compromised immunity. Their ability to fight infection and germs were very limited because of the treatments they had to endure. Not only did the staff have to work diligently to reduce the infection sources, the patients would also be required to do the same. They literally lived inside of a glass enclosure that had special ventilation to reduce the risk for infection. It was crucial that they not become infected if they really desired a cure for their disease. No measure was too small or great To help them remain free of infection. When the wound of betrayal shocks us, and it will, and it does, it cannot, it cannot be infected with anger, envy, jealousy, revenge retaliation, and so on. What you do when you have the opportunity to respond to those who have betrayed you speaks volumes about the dream that God has placed in your life. I want you to notice the response of Joseph to his brothers in Genesis 42. And they said one to another, We are They said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Reuben answered them, saying, "Spake not unto you, saying, Do not sin against this child, and you would not hear it. Therefore, behold, also His blood is required. But they didn't know that the man standing in the room was Joseph. And he understood every word they said. The thing that I want to point out to you, Is what Joseph did. It had been 20 years since he had seen them, since this awful act of betrayal. It had been 20 years. And in their sight, Joseph had become a full-blooded Egyptian for all they knew. They did not recognize him in the room. They didn't know him. They had no clue who he was. But when he heard them speak these words, he didn't get in front of them and started growling and baring his teeth and said, "I told you so. Now the curse of God is on your life and you're going to burn in hell forever. That is not what he did." Come on, wait, wait. Come on, the Bible said he turned around and put his back to them with his face against the wall. and he sobbed and cried, What got Joseph? To that point, what happened over the past 20 years that got Joseph to that point? How many times over the past 20 years did Joseph have to prostrate himself in prayer, in desperation, and ask God to help him with the pain that was in his soul? How many times did he show up at the A-Center instead of getting on the phone with somebody else and berating his brothers, how many times, putting it in our terminology, did Joseph show up at the A-Center and say, God help me, My, this person, these people have shot a death blow to me, they want me dead. But I refuse to retaliate. I'm not going to seek to get even. But instead I'm going to see the purpose of God fulfilled in my life. And I can promise you this his dreams did not include the action of his brothers nor did his dreams include how they would react when they met Joseph again. Through this process and on this journey all Joseph did was had a dream of famine and then a lot of food and then a famine again. That's all he could see. The God didn't show him his brothers and what they would do to him nor how they would respond to him. This was Joseph's job to do. How many times had Joseph prayed in the past 20 years for God to release him from a sense of human injustice? and give him over to a higher sense of God's holiness and purity. How many times did Joseph battle with his own sense of feeling that life had robbed him of some of his best memories because of the betrayal of his brothers? How many times did Joseph beg God to free him from the grip of retaliation and release him from the resentment that struggled to overcome him? Joseph understood through the wound of betrayal that there is something far higher in life than the law of retaliation. And that is his resentment would give him his resentment. And his conquering of his resentment would give in later to the release of forgiveness. Revenge can be very sweet, but there's a bitter taste that it will leave in one's mouth long after the act of revenge is completed. Yet look at the reaction of Joseph. He turned from his brothers and wept. Only God can give a man that grace. He needs to turn to tears when the injury of his past would want to turn him to revenge. Only God can do that. So today I have a question to ask you. What are you going to do with yours? Some of you may not be prepared for the conclusion of this message, and you may not be applying it like I want, but I hope you will in just a moment. There's a discovery that the wounds of betrayal produce in us. There's a discovery that the wounds of betrayal produce in us. Betrayal will produce in us long suffering, one of the most prolific parts of the fruit of the Spirit. The wounds of betrayal can produce in us gentleness and goodness and faith and temperance, but only if we allow it. Only if we allow it. What you do with your betrayal this morning is crucial for the rest of your life. If we are prone to wallow in the betrayal that came at the hands of a brother, or a father, or a mother, or a son or daughter, or a friend, it will seal a life to deep bitterness, and one will never recover from it. So let me ask you today, and you answer in your own heart, where did your betrayal come from? What was the source? of Your betrayal. Who did it? Who did it? A parent that you loved? A close friend that you shared all your secrets with? An unfaithful spouse? An out-of-control child that turned into an out-of-control adult? A boss that literally destroyed your career by firing you? Even a spiritual leader who shook your world with their hypocrisy and poor judgment. And for some of you today, it may even have been your pastor. Betrayal has a way of seemingly robbing us of positions, things that were promised to us, honors that never came to light, and even a dream that had been carefully guarded What everyone must understand about betrayal is that it will either reveal who you are or it will destroy the facade that had been so carefully maintained. Betrayal swings in two directions. It can reveal who you are or destroy who you are. The whole reason for betrayal is that we are literally opened up to the world, to the peering eyes of men, and most importantly attest our motives before God. What do you think? the crucifixion did to Jesus. He was scrutinized from every angle of the cross, all 360 degrees of it. He hung there naked, bleeding, beaten to a bloody pulp. So the whole reason for betrayal is that we're literally opened up before the world to the peering eyes of men, and most importantly, it tests our motives. We can react with anger, loud dissent, accusations, and a circle-the-wagon mentality that wants to defend. Then the wounds and fruit of betrayal will have fallen far short of their intended purpose. It's Jesus' prayer on the cross again. After what they had done to Him, for no earthly cause. As a matter of fact, they had to lie to get it done. What was his response? What was his response? Father, forgive them. There's just sometimes, I can't hardly say those words, man. It's just sometimes And if you do say it, you don't even feel like you really mean it. You're just saying it because the Bible said so. The road of betrayal ultimately ends at a throne. The road of betrayal ultimately ends at a throne if, if you are persistent and prayerful enough to navigate the sharp turns and bends in the road. So watch out for bitterness. Be careful of a competitive spirit that wants to crush others. Note the tendency to get infected with anger. Seek to really see the root of vicious retaliation removed out of your life. If you can see the betrayal of men as an overarching work of God in your life, then your betrayal can be looked upon with reverence and even gratitude. Although this reverence and gratitude sometimes is very slow in manifesting itself, it took 20 years for Joseph. If you keep your heart clean where it has been wounded, much fresh fruit will be gathered in not too many seasons down the road. But if you choose to fight your betrayers, It will so shrivel your soul that you'll never recover. And so that's why preachers like me preach sermons like this. Because it's never too late for amends. It's never too late for adjustments. It's never too late for these things to be done so that God's desire can truly come to pass in your life. I'm preaching this today for the advent of next year. The Lord tarries for 2018. I want to begin giving our church. Brother Jason preached a well of a message several Sundays ago, and then last Sunday the Spirit of the Lord moved, and now it's here again today. God's wanting to clean the slate for some folks here today so that maybe 2018 can be your most profitable year of your life, regardless of your age. So if you'll stand with me this morning. A sweet friend from the past, Johnny Mitchell, what I'd call a a country boy from kind of the Palmetto area of Louisiana, what I'd consider a true Cajun. Made one of the most prolific statements I've ever heard in my life. Brother James, you've heard it. Life isn't always fair, but God is always fair. Because God knows our end. So for those of you here today wrestling with the wound of betrayal, I want to remind you that Jesus was wounded. And He turned His wounds into a resurrection. When He came out of the grave, He had no bleeding wounds. He only had scars to prove that it was Him. What are you going to do with your betrayal? What are you going to do with yours? You're going to be bitter? You're going to become a recluse so that your rose never blooms? Your dreams never come to pass? There are some folks here today, I would to God I could walk down and take you by the hand. Life has beaten the dickens out of you. You didn't plan for what's happened to you. But I can't say it enough. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Behold, I say unto you, I have spoken through my messenger. You've heard his voice. I ask you to hear mine. Against what you may or may not believe, I am not a God who fails. I am not a God who reverses my promise. I'm a God that cares. I'm a God that loves. I'm a God that's patient and kind. I know you've been wounded. I was there when it happened. I didn't stop it. Because I hope that you will take your wound and turn it towards me and let me take what remains of your life. Let me have what is left of your attitude and your spirit. I'm asking you to bring your broken pieces to me and learn of me To have faith in me, I'm asking you to trust me with the remainder of your life. I've not come to promise that you will not be wounded again. But I have come to promise that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you if you will take my word, if you will receive my spirit. If you will cast your burden on me. If you will bring to me your wounded, hurting heart. I have an oil. I have a balm. I have a spikenard. That will help you with your healing. For your most productive and fruitful days. Are yet ahead of you. Trust me. Because I am your God. And I fail not. It's been a long time since I've been in a service like this one. It's almost like God is making a last-ditch effort to reach some folks here today. It's time to face your betrayal. It's time to face it and let God begin to turn it into what only God can do. And that's the most fruitful and profitable years of your life. So as they begin to sing softly, I'll put the rest of this service in your hands. If you want to come to the front and find a place to pray, you're welcome to. I'm asking everybody to take advantage of this moment. Everybody. like for everybody to respond the way you feel this morning don't hold nothing back god has ordained this service for you today god ordained it for you today whoever you are if you want to fall on your face before god you can if you want to bury your face in a corner somewhere you can my desire is everyone here today have a god connect to let the spirit of the lord have his way Somebody big, dig deep here today. Dig deep here today. Let the Lord have His way. Somebody let the Lord have His way. Somebody let the Lord have His way. somebody let the Lord have his way this is your moment this is your moment this is your moment let him have his way here today somebody let him have his way somebody let him have his way oh, hallelujah hallelujah go ahead folks this is God's way of sending you a lifeline Given to you hope. He's given to you hope. Life's not over. Life's not over. Somebody to accept God's offer here today. Take what God's given you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those of you that would come stand behind these that are praying. Those of you that can. Come put your hand on somebody's shoulder and pray with them for a few minutes. Would you do it? Thank the Lord. Everybody come help us. Everybody come help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, Grace Church, help us pray. Come on, Grace Church, help us pray today. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house right now. I feel a breakthrough coming for somebody. I feel a breakthrough coming. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody let him have his way. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, Grace Church. Everybody pray again. Everybody pray again. I feel feel God here right now. This is a God moment for somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody let the Lord have His way in Jesus' name.